and welcome to Talkie Talk Podcast for the Media by Us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Hey. And Chris. Hello. And Chris. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching and then uh, what's coming out, some news in between, a little bit of everything on the watch list today. So, uh, first off, let's start with TJ. What you been watching, TJ? I watch a lot of stuff. Oh, well, let's hear about all of it. Sweet. Six movies. Nice. Watch list. Uh, I'll start with two that I'll put uh, kind of together as one that I'm not going to spend too much time on because I'm still finishing the series, but I'm continuing my trek through Star Trek. Nice. Um, and I watched uh, two and three. So that is Wrath of Khan and uh, Search for Spock, which is really a true sequel to Wrath of Khan, um, not just like the next in the series. Um, they're so much better than Star Trek A Mission Picture. Good. Yeah. Um Monte Bond is great as the villain in uh, Wrath of Khan, as Khan. Yeah. Um, I did not know it was a, because I'd only watched like half of the first season of the TV show. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a sequel to an episode of the TV show, or an arc in the TV show. But uh, Ricardo Monte Bond plays Khan in the TV show in the 60s, and is marooned at the end of that TV show uh, on an island with all of his like followers. Yeah. And in the movie, it's... Uh, Kirk sending Chekhov to go like check on this planet, and it happens to be the one where, um, through some like events, what makes sense why Kirk wouldn't know it. Uh, it's a different planet, like it moved or something. Yeah, um, but it's the one where Khan was marooned, so Khan comes back. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, he's way more of a, um, like mental villain in the way that he's like, his his, his hyper intelligence is way more played in this movie than it was in. The new one, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, where you know, this is the old Star Trek thing. A friend of the show, Chad, always talked about how he didn't love those movies, so they thought they were good, but like Star Trek was never like action, it was never just like beating somebody up and being good at fighting, right? Like, it was like tricking them with your brain, and uh, that plays a lot in this. Um, you know, Khan's a superhuman, like he picks up Kirk with one hand without trying, really, yeah, at one point, but that's kind of it. It's mostly just like a chess match, um, and it's good. You know, they, uh, not to spoil it, but I'm going to, they, uh, it's the reverse ending of, uh, Into Darkness. Okay. So, Spock dies the same way Kirk did in Into Darkness, um, going in to replace the Warp Core and died from radiation poisoning. And the third one is about searching for Spock's body, because right before Spock went in, he did a mind mill with bones and put his kind of spirit into the body of Dr. McCoy. And the third one is them going to try to, like, merge them back together. I don't know what happens after that. I don't know if they succeed. Mm. Um, Do you feel compelled to watch some of the TV show now to kind of fill in some of the... Not, not like, how the first movie you were like, oh, you absolutely need to be familiar with Star Trek. But where, because this is a sequel to an episode for Wrath of Khan, do you feel like watching kind of that Khan arc in the show? And now do you feel like watching, like, the episodes immediately following Search for Spock to kind of get a sense? A def... Well, so the, there's no more TV show okay, with that crew. So I think there's, through the first six movies, is the old original crew that it right. And then it flops over to the Picard yeah, next data generation. crew. Um, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, I feel like that would be cool and helpful, but I don't like it enough to invest that much time right. into it. So I, I definitely won't. I, don't I, think. I feel like you could rip through the original series, but it's also, I mean, I get that, that Trekkies really love it. I just, like, I don't think it's that good. Yeah, even these are good, but it's only because of, like, Monte Bond was so good in that. And then in 2, um, DeForest Kelly, who plays Bones, is really good and probably my favorite character. And Nimoy's great, too. Yeah. Uh, the third one's directed by Nimoy. He does a really good job. Okay. Um, so I'll keep, you know, reporting on those. I think I've seen the highlights uh, already. I think I've seen the two, like, generally believed best movies are 2 and 3. Yeah. Uh, I saw four a lot as a kid because that's the one where they deal with bringing the killer whales back to Earth after they become extinct or whatever. Mm. Um, and I liked whales when I was little. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched that one a lot. Um, then I watched a bunch of 2019 movies. Um, I watched one that had great reviews and I've been excited about it since it came out. I watched The Kid Who Would Be King. Um, it was disappointing. Aww. I think it's just more for kids. Like, and not in a really great way there's nothing really there for adults um the jokes aren't really good the bullies are kind of they act in very like unnatural ways for middle schoolers mm -hmm. 
which is something that's always annoyed me, kind of. Yeah. Um, but there's not really a lot to talk about. I mean, it's this kid who's like an outcast and finds Excalibur in a construction site and pulls the sword out, and then Merlin comes. Uh, Merlin is definitely the best part of the movie. Is Stanley Tucci? No. Uh, so he's actually, he ages in reverse. Uh, Merlin does. So he's played by Angus Emery is the actor's name. Okay. And that's him present day, and he's a teenager. And okay. That kid's really good in that role. Very, like, quirky. Um, but when he has to, like, prove that he's Merlin to people, he goes into, like, his form of, uh, like, what he was back yeah. in the day with King Arthur, and it's Patrick Stewart. Okay. Is Merlin. And Stewart's funny, because it's Patrick Stewart being, like, real quirky, wearing, like, a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, Patrick Stewart's great, but the movie as a whole is just, it's very disappointing. The kids aren't that good. Um, the lead in it is uh, Louis, Louis George Circus. It's Andy Circus's kid. Oh. Yeah. But, well, he's just not that good. Yeah. Really not a lot to talk about with that movie. I mean, the special effects aren't that good. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's so kind of beloved. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. What? I mean, they do a bunch of cheesy shit. It's like, oh, Stonehenge is actually a gate that Merlin built to get, like, around England real fast. And there are, like, little Stonehenges everywhere, which is true. Around the UK, there's, like, one arch in a forest somewhere in, like, North Scotland. And they can, like, so they can just jump around. It's really just like a... That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, But, I don't know. It was (laughs) just kind of boring. Then it ended. They won. You know? (laughs) Like, well, now I'm not going to see it. This is one of those movies that ends. (laughs) Yeah, it has an ending in the beginning, so this, it did that. This, this was going to be the movie who would be watched by me, but it's not anymore. I'll still watch it. I'm still going to watch it's it. Still, it sounds... Yeah, I mean, for, me. for people like us, yeah. yes. That's the thing. David's not here. David's the one who listens to our recommendations. The three of us are just, just ignore them completely. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I watched a movie that was better than I thought it was, so that was good. But it's also kind of a beloved 2019 film, uh, Fighting With My Family, which is the uh, page biopic, although I don't really want to call it a biopic because it's not anywhere close to what, like, Walk the Line was or anything in that sense. Yeah. Paige has to think about her entire life before she gets in the ring. <laughs> yeah. This is a Stephen Merton's directorial debut, right? Uh, yeah. debut? Yeah. Yeah. He directed it. He's in it, too. Yeah. Um, but it's really good about the family from, like, Norwich, England, which is, like, the, you know, like, red redneckest yeah. part of the U.K., uh, and they just love wrestling their wrestling family. They run a wrestling company and have like matches where like 30 people come in like the middle school gym. Yeah. And the brother and sister fight and they're really, really good and they're really likable characters. They're like devoted to it. Yeah. Um, Nick Frost plays the dad, right? Nick Frost plays the dad. He's great. And the mom is uh, Lena Hetty. Oh, cool. Is the mom and she's really good. Uh, the best performance is probably The Rock <laughs> playing himself. Uh, definitely moments in that that were just fucking fantastic. The Rock is playing himself playing The Rock, which is an act. Well, <laughs> so he plays Dwayne Johnson mostly right. in the movie. You never see him in the ring. So when they meet him for the first time, it's when Raw does, they visit, visit London. Yeah. And they're holding tryouts um, for the camp right. where they pull WWE wrestlers from. And uh, so they got a tryout uh, and they meet The Rock who's there just to like do some mic stuff yeah um, before the big like uh, Royal Rumble yeah there so they're like talking to him and he's real nice he's like Dwayne Johnson he's like hey I'm so I love fans I love yeah. being y'all like and you know, they talk to him for a while and they're like how do we do this like what what's the best way to do it and then he like turns into this like complete asshole yelling and like talking non-stop for you know three minutes and uh, he's like that does, do does he call them jabronis? Yeah. Good. Is Vince McMahon in this at all? No. Oh, that's that's interesting. Because this is p- produced by the WWE company, right? Um, it does have... Like, yes, WWE Studios okay. is part of the production company. Yeah. But uh, Vince Vaughn's actually really good. He runs the camp cool. that Paige goes to. Um, there are... So Paige is the only wrestling female at the camp. There are other girls there are all models. That, yeah, which is what WWE used to do a lot. Right, was just pull models and teach them how to wrestle. Um, but they're sweet. There's not really a villain in the movie. Yeah, which is kind of nice. I mean, I guess Vince Vaughn is, but he's also like the he's the hardened coach. Right, you know what I mean. Um, 
But it's 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 really good. The the lead is is fantastic. Thorns Pugh is her name, and she plays Paige. Uh, the parents are good. Jack Loudon plays her brother, and he probably wins the movie for me. Oh, cool! He's really good. Um, they pulled a lot of Shakespearean actors from West End to make the movie film. Uh, most of the kids were people in Shakespeare plays. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, but it's sweet. There's a he like gets real pissed because he doesn't get chosen to go to the WWE. Her brother does, so he's kind of a dick for a little bit. But then he redeems himself and he opens up this like wrestling school. He like teaches a blind kid how to like wrestle. In like in a very like sweet way, yeah, not in a funny way. Um, the movie's super <laughs> not in a funny way. <laughs> he doesn't just throw him out in the ring, blonde. <laughs> like, go for it, bud. Um, I definitely recommend it whenever it comes out to, to streaming. It yeah, was, I'm, def- I'm 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 definitely going to see it when I can. And dude, this is somebody coming coming from somebody who has watched zero seconds of actual wrestling yeah. on TV ever. Uh, not my thing. But uh, yeah, it goes up into. I did not know Paige was brought on uh, her first show ever she won the Divas title well, the first I mean, time she was ever on TV yeah the Divas title was pr- from what I remember it was like pretty new like they started taking like like women like wrestling more seriously around the time that she started to yeah because I mean this is not that old which is weird right I mean she's retired now so I was thinking this is on like the early alts but she retired at 23 yeah fucked her neck up real bad yeah um not in like a single incident but just over like years of taking bumps abuse. yeah yeah but, uh, so she was a diva winner at, like, 19 mm-hmm. and retired a few years later. But, um, yeah, definitely recommend that. And, yeah, Stephen Merchant directing it and, and writing it. Yeah. I love Stephen Merchant. Yeah. Um, the other two movies I saw with Chris. Yeah. We, we got, saw him last night. Yeah. We got in a car and we saw him at a drive-in. Yeah. They, they, they do exist. Yeah. I think there's two in the state. Yeah. And the other one's like north of Athens somewhere in the boonies. Yeah. Well, there used to be the uh, uh, the one up like towards like Chattanooga, but I don't know if it's open anymore. Okay. That was still open like 15 years ago. Okay. Um, yeah, this one uh, Cass had been going to since she was a kid when they lived up here in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so me and Chris have been multiple times. Brent's been there too. It's a fun yeah, fun little night. You gotta pick the right film. Mm-hmm. And I think we picked the right ones. Yeah. Um, we saw a horror movie which always plays well at the drive-in as long as it's not too dark and this one wasn't. Yep. Uh, but we saw a Ma. Yeah. Uh, Ma. A lot of horror movies this year with only two letters in their name. Us and Ma and... That's two. It? That's a lot. It. What is it? Chapter two? I don't know. That's kind of a stretch. I don't read past the, the main title. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, How do you like Mother? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was it was it was a really interesting kind of slow burn. It's really not a horror movie. Like the only horrifying things about it until like the last scene are your expectations, and it builds that that sense of dread and the suspense really well. Kind of just painting her as socially awkward. Um, there's there's things that I would probably change about it. Um, you know, they, they kind of give the character Sue Ann uh, a little too much like backstory and flashback that uh, I don't know, like I don't necessarily need for humanizing her character um, and the way they kind of like divvy it out where they're trying to build like a mystery about it, I don't love, but I didn't think it was bad. Um, so I, overall, I liked it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that they did it with a broken villain. Yeah. So she's not this, like, mastermind criminal. She is fucking up left and right. Not, like, horribly, but getting shit wrong. There's no end game for her. She doesn't have a goal, really. Yeah, she's not really planned anything out well. She's just fucking crazy from, like, years of believed, like, child abuse and abuse from people at school when she was a kid. Um, she's definitely insane. Yeah. Um... But also not like, I don't know, I like, they, 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 they did the like slow pour out good of like, oh, she was crazy before this happened. Right. Um, she's always been a little nutty. Right. Yeah. They, when, when they start to kind of discover the things in the upstairs and it's like, oh, this is not like, there was not like a precipitating event that was recent. It's just like. A slow burn of insanity. Right. She's always been a little off since, you know, the thing happened to her in high school. And, you know, 
ever it was kind of off then. Yeah, and she's never really been planning anything. She's just been kind of like a loner until she like like opportunity struck. She's always had motive, but opportunity finally struck when she met these kids and said, you know, hey, instead of drinking out in the field where no one knows if you're going to drive drunk, like come drink at my house. Right. And then she kind of starts to build. It's kind of like builds in her like like cleanness and uh, like sociopathy. So, yeah. So there's not like big gruesome horrific shit throughout. It's all just kind of it, it builds in a way that's like super realistic of like somebody like kind of going a little too far every yeah. time and then the kids like it being worth it to them because they have a place to drink and someone to buy them booze. Right. And then when all of a sudden it's not worth it, then she's she's already gone too far past like a point of no return. Yeah, and that's how a movie like this has to work, right? There has to be like this scene where it all happens because if she like tortured somebody early at a party, right. the kids are going to stop coming and the movie's over. Right. So there has to be just like this slow build up to this explosive moment. Yeah. And the explosive moment was a great scene. Yeah. It was it, good. It was. Um, Octavia Spencer's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Allison Janney does great, and the kids are good. I thought the kids were really yeah, well kids acted. Good. Really well acted. Juliette Lewis was good. Was the mom? The dad was good. Mm-hmm. The whole cast did a, you know, B plus to A minus job. Luke Owens is that his name? The dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Octavia Spencer is A plus plus, but she's just fantastic in everything. No. I did love that Allison Janney took this role. Yeah, after her like Oscar spill, like what's your next film? She was like, I'm going to play the ninth character. Like, ninth from the top billing. This asshole doctor. Yeah. Um, with, like, what, eight lines of dialogue? Yeah, if that. And it's all just, like, yelling at Octavia Spencer's character, Sue Ann, to get off her phone. Yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend Ma. Yeah. Sounds like two recommendations. Yeah, I will give yeah. four stars. Yep. Yeah. Right around there. Uh, then we saw something else that Chris... Wanted to see, even though he didn't want to, like... I was like, we don't care what the second movie is. Chris, you can pick. He was like, I don't care. And Chris and uh, Cass and Kelly were like, he wants to see Pikachu. <laughs> so I went and saw Detective Pikachu. I didn't want to be like... <laughs> if if four people are trying to pick a movie to go see, I don't want to be the only person who's like, yes, fuck yes, let's go see Pikachu. Let's go see fucking Pikachu. <laughs> if the other three people are kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'd rather let, let the indifference of the other three people decide, but... Yeah, uh, but it was... I expected Ma to be about there. Yeah. I read some reviews, not spoiler reviews, and they were pretty accurate. But uh, Pikachu, I was like, there's a movie, chance this movie's just horrible. Video game curse. Yeah. All that. Um, it was super delightful. And yeah. the right length. Yeah. <laughs> it was an hour and 25 minutes or something. Yeah, there was, there was no wasted time. It was move the plot along, move the plot along, move the plot along. Little character developments here and there, but just like, let's keep this yep. fucking train Here's rolling. a five-minute prologue for people who don't know everything about Pokemon, yep. and you're good to go. Yeah, um, and, and it even kind of exists outside the normal, like, Pokemon, like, game, show, manga. That's true. The prologue may have been more for, like, you than it was for me. Well, it's it's based off of like Rhyme City from the Detective Pikachu series of games, right? Because those are like separate; those are completely different. They're like point and click games, okay? Um, where you and your gruff voiced Pikachu solve like mysteries, okay? Um, but yeah, it, I thought that it it's I think it's probably the best video game movie, um, which. I mean, it's not a really high bar, but it's just, like, an accomplishment that there is one that can be considered the best of something. Yeah, I mean, I think I said the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider had a chance of being the best video game movie ever made. I think this is highest, uh, I think it's the Rotten Tomatoes record for best video game score, and I think Rotten Tomatoes for this is 63. I was gonna say 61, so yeah. And that's the highest video game score. Yes. I mean, it's, this is also, uh, I thought that you were gonna say similar stuff about The Kitty Would Be King, but... This is also a, a kids movie, like, but they do a good job of like putting like well acted moments and scripted drama for more than just like ooh look at the Pokemon. Mm. And really, it's not about them as much. They're more foils for everything else that's going on, save for like a couple of scenes. I mean, Mewtwo's the big bad, and you know it's all a hunt to find Mewtwo to find out where um, the kid's father is. So, that's that's very, like, 
CGI driven, but for the most part, it's it's just you know the kid and you know Ryan Reynolds voiced Pikachu, um, but yeah, the, the the jokes that that you think they spoil in the trailer, they really don't. They kind of go a little further. I know that there's there's like that terrifying looking Mr. Mime, uh, and you feel like it sells the whole bit in the trailer, but they then go from that to interrogating him, and Mr. Mime keeps up his mime shit, and it's like. I think it gets funnier. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, the jokes all hit. Yeah. yeah. The, the one that had Kelly actually laughing out loud is the bartender. For Because, you know, if you're not aware, Pokemon all say their name and they only say their name. So the thing that's rare about Detective Pikachu is that, uh, that Tim can understand him. And he's speaking, like, English. So when they go to a dive bar to order to drink espresso, because Detective Pikachu's obsessed with coffee... Uh, he orders something and the bartender just goes like, <laughs> <laughs> scares the shit out of everyone. Huh. Yeah. No, yeah, the jokes are good. Ryan Reynolds is a great voice work. Yeah. Um, and I thought the like twist-ish ending was good. It paid off. Yeah. It was fun. Um, but the, the the Pokemon, that world is just so fun. Yeah. To see created on screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool seeing because the whole thing is that like they they don't battle with them in this in this city, they they do like Pokemon partners and then those partners kind of like do stuff to help you, so like seeing like the Machamp directing traffic is cool, right? And then like the Snorlax asleep on the road the way that they are in the games like because they're just asleep until you wake them up with like a flute, okay? Um, just like kind of, you know. There's there's enough stuff in there for me where I watch it and I go oh I I recognize that this is like a call out to uh, you know the games like I know that I, I said the wrong one when we were in the car on the way back but, but like you know Bill Nighy kind of plays the uh, is he good is he bad kind of role in it uh, you just don't know what his intentions are but their family is clearly at the center of this like this ring of crime uh, but. The, there's foreshadowing if you've played the games because when the when you see him in his boardroom, he's got statues of basically the Pokemon that represent like the god of space, the god of time, and the god of dark matter. That was what I got wrong. Okay. Um, and so like the gods of everything. And in the games, when you confront a character who's got those around them, it's like the big bad of the game. So you... There's stuff like that for people who like know more about the universe and play the games, but you definitely don't need to know anything before going into it. Nice. So I think it's cool. Good to know. Yeah. But I like this better than Maw, but it also kind of speaks more to me than it does. It's about the same months. for me. It's like yeah. a four star. Yeah. If I could get Granular, I'd put Maw right at four and I'd put this at like four and a quarter. Yeah. But. Yeah. Dragons. Dragons are fun. Yeah, I recommend these movies, and I recommend The Drive-In, if you can find the right movie. Yeah, preferably a movie, I guess, that's not dialogue-driven to a great extent. Well, what me and Chris think, there's a good chance we saw our first Oscar-nominated film of the year in Detective Pikachu. The special effects and production design were really, really good. Um, but I think the big like thing to take away from that is we're saying that about special effects on a drive-in. Yeah, uh, screen where the technology is not good. It is an old school projector. Yeah, and you're outside. It's not completely dark. Um, People do, won't turn their fucking headlights off. Yeah, so I would definitely go see them both. Yeah, cool. And that's it for me. I'll go. Brant, you go. Uh, I only saw two movies this week, and one I'm not even gonna really mention. So. Uh, there's a 2019 movie though that I did see. I went to, I went to the local art theater. Ooh, Ooh got a little, little artsy fartsy <laughs> on Friday. Yeah, my wife wanted to see this movie, and uh, she's wanted to. She's kind of been uh, had tunnel vision for this one movie. Do whatever you want, dog. We're good. Yeah. We're, we're we're here to your request. Yeah, just jingle your ass off. Jingle your jangle. Uh, uh, but it's the uh, it's a movie called The Souvenir, and. Um, it's not feature a lot of people you're probably familiar with. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. She's probably the third build cast member in the movie. Cool. And uh, her daughter, 
who has only been in one other movie, and that was like seven or eight years ago. So this is, I think, her real real first movie. Uh, her daughter, Honor T- uh, Honor Swinton Byrne, I believe is her name. Okay. Right. And uh, anyway, she's the star. She plays uh, Julia, who is a uh, an aspiring filmmaker, about 22, 23 years old or so in uh, in England in 1980 or so is when okay. this is set and it's uh, it's basically just the story of her um, trying to get into film school and also uh, beginning a relationship with uh, this guy I think his name's Tom or maybe that's the actor I get those mixed up but uh, Anthony, yeah, Anthony name is Tom yeah. Anthony is the character and uh, they uh, it's sort of about their relationship and um it's a, it's it's a very small movie like mm-hmm. it's a it's just a a small experience and first love that sort of thing but it's uh it's really well acted um i think honor swinton burn is fantastic in the cool. movie she's excellent that's fun i could not take my eyes off her she was so good in just about every scene um mm-hmm. but uh yeah she uh Really carries the movie. I think there's... I could see her getting some awards love for it. Probably, I feel like this movie might be too small scale for big awards. But, like, Like, Independent Spirit Awards. That that sort of thing. thing. I could see her getting nominations later in the year. We're getting closer to this movie's coming out a bunch, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this movie's 92 on Metacritic. Yeah, I just saw it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's getting really great reviews. Um, I know. I f- like my review of it is like on the, on the tepid side yeah. of most reviews of this movie. How did your wife like it? She loved it. Okay, she really loved it. Nice. Um, was that the Terra? Yeah. Okay. Is uh is Richard Ayoade great in it? He is really good in his I love one Richard scene. Ayoade. I do too. I was I, I forgot about him, but I, I perked up when he was on screen. I was nice. I was like, hey, this yeah. is gonna be fun. Um, but. It's a quiet movie, but it's uh, and it's not going to be for everybody. But uh, if if uh, uh, I don't know, I would recommend it though. Yeah, Sweet, so, fun, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the other movie it was uh, I watched the 1996 film Diabolique. Oh wow, Sharon Stone. Yeah, you ever seen that? No, it's not I know, good. I know of it. Though. It's real bad. Really? Yeah, I thought I just thought it would be like a fun thriller one not to put on and like not worry too much about and it's a thriller but well it's not fun it's not fun no it provides no real thrills though um, so it's so the fun thriller wasn't fun it wasn't it's, really thrilling it's based on like a like a what's supposed to be a great French movie from the 60s I want to say hmm. um, same name but uh, maybe that's what I've heard of then. this remake Sharon was Stone part seems surprising to me this remake was real bad hmm. uh, so don't recommend that if you're you know what? Side unseen. I'll just recommend the French one. <laughs> just go watch the <laughs> go watch the Le Diabolique. This you've you've been kind of Oracle has been serving you some thrillers as of late. Last last time we met, you had Suspiria. It's time Diabolique. I wonder if those are just like tickling your fancy this, these days. This was me uh, diverting from Oracle for okay. once, and I was punished for it. <laughs> so <laughs> you get burned when you do that. So now. yeah, I know better now. Um, Oracle has been on hold for a while since uh, it told me to watch Scarface, so I finally just assigned that last week to y'all. Yeah. So is it is this is everything about it bad? Like is the story just not compelling at all? I feel like it could be interesting. I feel like the way certain things are revealed is it's like bad filmmaking. Yeah, in a bad way. Yes, I hate saying that, but it's it's about it's a it's about a headmaster at a school, um, like a Catholic school, who. Uh, he is married to another teacher there, mm-hmm. and he treats her like shit. And he is also pretty openly just sleeping with another teacher there. And uh, the uh, Sharon Stone plays the other woman, the other teacher that he's sleeping with. Um, and ultimately, she feels bad for the wife. Mm-hmm. And after lots of abuse, uh, she helps the wife kill him. Except then they keep waiting for someone to find the body, and no one finds the body. And so it's basically just almost like a... turns into a bit of a horror movie, because it's just like, why has no one found him yet? Yeah. And so it, that's sort of the basis for the thriller. Hmm. 
Yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds interesting. It, <laughs> it is a it is a good concept, and I'm guessing the original movie does it quite well, right? But, um, the way this was just filmed and made, it was just it just didn't work. So, don't recommend <laughs> '90s Diabolique with Sharon Stone. All right, recommend right. other Diabolique without Sharon Stone. <laughs> The dogs disagree, but whatever. <laughs> different strokes for different pups. <laughs> the dogs. Ah, we hate subtitles. <laughs> well, cool. I think. Th- do you have anything else that you watched? Uh, no, no. I'm working on some TV shows, but nothing, nothing completed that I'd like to talk about. So uh, that's it for now. All right. Well, I saw two additional 2019 movies in the theater uh, this week. Um, I saw uh, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Ooh. Did John Wick 2 have a subtitle? Uh, y- no. I think it might have just been John Wick Chapter 2. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, that, I, don't. <laughs> I was thinking about that on the way here today. I was <laughs> like, it's, it's 3 Parabellum. What was 2 called? But they just decided to start with the, the extra names on the third one. Yeah, I bet if they called it anything, it'd be like John Wick Chapter 2, He's Back, or something stupid. I mean, Parabellum's a bad name. And when you get the title drop in this, it's like, okay, whatever. It's, uh, you know, the manager, uh, played by, uh, uh, fuck, his name, Odin from... Ian... Ian McShane. Yeah. Uh, it's him saying, you know... Like, if you want to make peace, make war. And then he says it in Latin. So he says, like, parapaxis parabellum. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Who make, cares? Make war. Right. <laughs> um, Honestly, John Wick 3, make war, would have sounded just as cool. Yeah. Or if it was just John Wick Chapter 3, war. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it is, basically. So the movie is, you know, he's been officially excommunicated from, like, the, the high table. Mm-hmm. And it's about, like... Them coming after him and the open contract on his life. So every assassin is trying to kill him. It's the highest contract ever. And him trying to, like, make peace with the high table uh, while also, like, trying to fight off their agents. Um, And that's not what you go to see John Wick movies for, for the intricate plot. Uh, I mean, some of the lore is cool, and that's kind of what drives my fascination with it. Um, but I was just about to say that's what I really I did enjoy that it's not that I didn't like it but I didn't remember much of the details of, right. of like I'm glad you just rehashed what happened at the end of John Wick 2 because when I think of what happened in John Wick 2 I think about that European party scene yeah where and I don't think about plot details right I remember he got excommunicated but um, but that stuff is cool though the, the assassins like council and whatever that is yeah. that is really cool but so yeah so th- this movie starts out 20 minutes after the events of the second movie so at the end of the second movie Ian McShane tells him like like sorry John you'll be excommunicated uh, I'll give you an hour head start so it starts 20 minutes into that hour and he's excommunicated because he kills someone on the hotel grounds yeah okay yeah um, but I mean it's it's a great fucking action movie awesome they, they nail it again uh, with the just the choreography, it's like dancing, man. It's its its so cool. Um, it is way more violent. Uh, maybe violent's the wrong word. Shooting people is pretty violent. But it's more visceral and gory. Gorier, yeah. yeah. There's more like knife and sword kills oh, and yeah. like axe throwing and stuff. Which is naturally going to be more visceral than just headshots. Yeah. And by the time uh, John Wick starts uh, using guns with regularity, because he's cut off from access to all of this stuff because he's excommunicated. So by the time he's able to get guns, uh, his his enemies are wearing armor because this movie's just a fucking video game. Mm-hmm. And so they're using shotguns with deer slugs and using them in point-blank range. So there are lots of head explosions Oh wow! from being shot with a shotgun. Um, uh, so I know you. I know you think the first movie is a masterpiece. Yeah, and fantastic. Where what? Where did you settle on the second one? The second one is good. I think it it falls victim of trying to ape the first one too much and doesn't really do anything. I, I thought that the first John Wick was innovative in the way that it took kind of a broken genre and said like, here's how you can try to perfect it. Yeah, and then the second movie just was that again. Mm-hmm. It was just an exhibition on how to try to perfect it. I think it should have been able... They should have escalated it in a way that I don't think they did. And they're probably holding the second movie 
like to a higher standard than I should based on how much I like the first. Yeah. But I also like this third movie better than the second. Okay. Cool. Um, so I think they they were more successful in that like escalation than the second one was. There's no like standout well you get my favorite and what I think is the standout fight scene early in the movie. Um, but there's really no downtime. I've heard good things about a library scene. Yes. Yeah, the library scene is cool. Uh, it, it's There's a fun homage they pay to uh, uh, the Matrix. So oh, the nice. lobby shootout scene. There is a moment where... Uh, it's This isn't the library scene, but... There's a moment where he and Halle Berry are standing like behind columns. And people are firing and like debris is just falling off of them. And like he gives like a knowing look to Halle Berry's character. And it's like fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is cool. Yeah. But, yeah, so John Wick, of course, uh, recommend it. Um, but I'm the, the stupid action movie guy here. Uh, but I also saw uh, the opposite of stupid action movie. I saw a coming-of-age comedy. I saw Booksmart, which is the uh, Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. It's a comedy starring Beanie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's sister, and uh, Caitlin Deaver, who I think is a pretty young actress hasn't really done a whole a whole bunch I've heard good things about Booksmart yeah it's it's really good it's it's super cute if you took Superbad and made them like like female characters I mean and then also adjusted the humor so it's appropriate for like young women right uh, it's I think it's it's that good well it's that's good because they do compare themselves a little like I've seen that comparison maybe even in the trailers like I feel like this movie was just like Putting it out front, like this is super bad for girls. So yeah, uh, which is a tough comparison because that's a that's a great movie that has stood up. Yeah. Well. So, um, but I'm glad to hear that 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 comparison works. Yeah, there's um, it's it's really fun. The uh, the, the premise is uh, the the main characters. Uh, well, the main character mostly Molly has been like convinced that she needs. In order to go to a good school, and she has like Leslie Nope esque aspirations, mm -hmm. like she's going, she's going to go to Harvard, and then she's going to clerk for a judge in the D.C. Circuit, and then she's going to become a Supreme Court justice and be the youngest ever Supreme Court justice in the history of America. Mm -hmm. uh, like, just like has it all mapped out. Thinks that the only way that she can do that is if she focuses on her friendship with Caitlin Deaver's character and focuses on academics and only academics. And then it kind of comes crashing down when she's having a conversation or overhears people like gossiping about her in the bathroom and she confronts them as like, yeah, laugh all you want, but you won't be laughing when you, you're all working for me after you go to, you know, like California Community College. And they're like, oh, well, I got a full ride at uh, Stanford for field hockey. And like, oh, I also got into Yale. And, uh, you know, just don't mention me when you're, when you're there. I'm going to pretend like I don't know you. And so then they realize, like, they don't have to spend their whole life on academics, that they can also have fun. So they decide the night before graduation to go have, like, a wild night and go to all these graduation parties. Um, so. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a lot of fun. There's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's well acted. Uh, one of the way back boys from American Vandals in it, which is fun. Um. And there's uh, Jason Sudeikis plays the principal, uh, and I think that he is probably made great by the fact that his wife directed him for the first time yeah. since they've been together. Um, but yeah, that's 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 it. I, I really liked it. I know someone commented on Facebook. I tried to like engage in discussion, but then couldn't figure out how to not interact as the page and interact as myself. Yeah. So I just deleted my comment and said, "Fuck that guy." <laughs> um, but. That's pretty much it. I have a TV show, but I want David to be here to talk about Big Little Lies because he's—I know he's the one who's like really, really like stoked he, about it. He was our original fan of the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, is it time for breezy? I think so. And if if you guys are hearing the lack of uh, of, of another deep bass voice here. Uh, TJ had to run off to a vet appointment. If you're wondering why phones haven't been, like, no weird <laughs> sounds have started playing. Although we're still using TJ's computer, 
Yeah. So there's still a good chance that we're going to get a ding here. Yeah, we're in TJ's house and he's not here. So yeah. he left us in charge for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, you got any news? Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll glance. I know there was something you wanted to mention. Yeah, we got um, just kind of randomly... We got news. The uh, Sony uh, put up a stream, and there was just these like black tar-looking hands reaching up from just like nowhere. And then in the middle of it, there was a an eight-minute trailer that played uh, for Death Stranding, uh, Hideo Kojima's uh, new game that is coming out this year. Yeah, this November. Yeah, which is crazy because everyone. Th- thought like everyone this is one of those games where people are like is that game ever actually coming out and because that's the joke Hideo Kojima takes forever to make games this might be the shortest turnaround between two games for Kojima between like Metal, uh, Metal Gear 5 Phantom Pain in like 2016 and this in 2019 um, yeah full ass like nine minute trailer got like story details like gameplay they talked about the theme and about like how a, a death stranding is when whales intentionally beach themselves and for whatever reason when that happens it happens like a lot like it's never just one whale who like who death strands themselves and so it's there's elements of like breaking through between two realities one where like human beings are supposed to live and thrive and one where they're not kind of like the whales in the ocean and then in the, on the land um, but then also about connecting these communities that have been separated by like disaster and devastation. Mm-hmm. And like, that's your job as the, I think they, his, they nicknamed him like the steward or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the character's name is just Ben, which works. Uh, but your job is to like kind of connect all these cities. Um, but I thought the coolest thing was we, we kind of got a better look at the full cast. Um, so Norman Reedus is playing the lead uh, in some fantastic fucking motion capture. That is the most incredible looking video game I've ever seen. Oh my god! Like Margaret Qualley, who's you know the oldest daughter from uh, from Leftovers, and who's been in a couple things. You'd recognize her. Uh, she looks like they like film. She looks like she's acting in it. Like yeah. they filmed like it's live action. Uh, yeah, Guillermo del Toro's in it. Is it Leah Sidu? Sidu yep. in the. Uh, I guess main female role. Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro. I saw him in there. And, yeah. It's, um, you, these the character names are funny. So like Norman Reedus' character's name is Ben, and then like Mads Mikkelsen is like War. Leah uh, Sadu is uh, like fragile. Fragile. That's right. Uh, I think Margaret Qualley's character name is Mama, which is hilarious for her because she's like nineteen years yeah. old. Uh, there's Guillermo del Toro's like boss man. <laughs> um. There was a, uh, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did they say in this movie, or in this, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's a very honest slip right there, yeah. but uh, in this game, if you die, you have to, like, exist in death for a while, yeah. you have to, like, work your way back from death every time you die. Yeah. <laughs> you, awesome. like, there's, like, a, a realm of the dead that you are in and that's where you see like where he has like this baby hooked up to him and it's like and he's wearing like a mask that's connected to the baby because the baby helps him inhabit this like dream world that is death I don't know so man. weird yeah I, there was a little bit of that in the first trailer that came out like I don't know like a year or more ago like two years ago yeah and I was thinking like Okay, well, this game just seems weird. It'll make a lot more sense when I see more of it, and it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot more sense. It, yeah, it's uh, it's still really pretty, and it looks like a gorgeous game to walk through, and a game that so many more games are going to be trying to ape when it comes to the photorealism of the of oh, the yeah. settings. Um, and I've heard that that's what a lot of the plans are for the next for like next gen big titles. Like I've, I've, I think I've heard that uh, the Elder Scrolls game is going to be photorealistic. Um, they're going to be trying to do that. Cool. I don't know how you're going to make like, like Falmers are going to be like terrifying. <laughs> yep. I mean, I even think like the high elves are unsettling looking. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so that's coming out this year. So that'll be, it'll certainly be interesting. Yeah. Um, this was. Uh, <laughs> Well, here's a little bit of news. Disney's uh, another, I think, live-action remake is going to be Snow White. Okay. Um, 
I mean, it had to be one of them. And uh, yes, yeah, so they're going to go with a uh, they're going to go with director Mark Webb, who is most notable for the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh no! So that seems weird. <laughs> I mean, I'll, that movie's only going to make two hundred million dollars. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I I didn't hate the Amazing Spider-Man. I didn't either. I thought it was like actually all right. Yeah. I thought I liked it better than Spider-Man Three. So I was like, oh, great, they're going in a better direction. And then they made The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I was like, nope, they fucked it up still. Uh, it just seems like an odd choice for Snow White. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're like, we want someone who's worked a lot with CG, but how can you not find that these days? Right. Um, I thought you were going to tell me that they'd cast Kristen Stewart as Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really hope Kristen Stewart winds up in that Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, just so... <laughs> Just so the fanboys will lose their damn minds. Um, But, uh, let's see. I think the other thing, this is not really... Well, it's news, because we didn't know about it before, but this is just amusing news that my wife told me. uh, From the news desk of Ashley. Uh, um, Did you hear the story this week about about what caused the end of Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson's marriage? Uh, I think I saw it in, like, you know how you get served ads that are obviously to, like, websites that have malware on it? Yeah. On the bottom? I think I saw it mentioned there, but I didn't read it. It's, uh, the movie Borat ended their marriage. (laughs) And I thought, okay, well, surely not the existence of the movie or Pamela Anderson's, like, role in the movie. But no, it really did. Kid Rock apparently uh, had such a problem with that movie. And it's, like, Sasha Baron Cohen as a person. And, like, the way, I think it was the way it fooled, like, the salt of the earth people, basically a lot of Kid Rock fans, probably, in that movie, that uh, he actually listed it as the primary reason for divorce in the court filings. Wow. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, (laughs) I felt like that needed to at least be said. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's that's about it for me. That's not, not not a lot of news happening. Yeah, there's, you know, I'm also just paying less attention because I'm getting excited because we're going on vacation next weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, TJ, before he left, he handed me his iPad and went dot, dot, dot with his hand. And I realized, oh, he pulled up what's coming into theaters next. So (laughs) that's what we've got in this segment. Now, we have the choice between The Secret Life of Pets 2. Do you need me to tell you what this movie is? It's more of The Secret Life of Pets, I'm guessing. Yep, Illumination Studios. Uh, yeah. They replaced uh, Louis C.K.'s voice actor with Patton Oswalt. Okay. Which, okay. Sure. Uh, we've got the movie Late Night. Uh, it's screenplay by Mindy Kaling with Emma Thompson, uh, Hugh Dancy, John Lithgow. Late night talk show host who teams up with one of our new staff writers in an attempt to save the show. Wow, I've never heard of this. And here it is. Yeah. Okay, that can't be a great sign. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't. Know. I like Mindy Kaling. I just wish that she was like nailing it more. I do too. Amazon Studios is distributing. Anyway, and then the other one we have is a uh, Dark Phoenix. Ah, and it's a uh, you know the Sophie Turner helmed uh, X Men movie. Well, it's an easy choice for me. Um, because I, I really did not like the first Secret Life of Pets movie at all. Um, and don't know anything about that second movie. So I guess I'm going with Dark Phoenix. Um, I like the X-Men movies in general. Yep. I like Sophie Turner, although I don't like... I have not yet liked her in the X-Men movies. Nope. Um, and also did not really like the last X-Men movie a whole lot. Nope. But <laughs> still, I give it a shot. Yeah. And hope and hope that it's it's pretty good. Who's directing this movie? Is uh, so? It is directed by um, Simon Kinberg. I don't know that name. I'm going to read you more. Uh, Kinberg, uh, he... This is his directorial debut. Well... But he is credited as writer for Triple X State of the Union, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, X-Men The Last Stand, Jumper, Sherlock Holmes, This Means War, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter... So some of the greatest scripts of our lifetime. X-Men Days of Future Past. That's great. That's a good movie. Then the Fantastic Four reboot. Oh, great. And X-Men Apocalypse. (laughs) Okay. 
two. Well, it sounds like X Men: Days of Future Past is more of the exception than the rule when it comes to his career. Yeah, but maybe there'll be a second one. I mean, he's named as number sixty-one in the hundred most powerful people in Hollywood by Hollywood Reporter in twenty sixteen. Clearly, he still keeps getting jobs after all those fucking duds. He's he's produced more movies that include like Deadpool and uh, uh, The Martian. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, Logan. So he's he has like a and he's been thanked as a creative consultant and stuff. So he has more influence than just the things he directs, gotcha. obviously. But I also will pick Dark Phoenix, preparing to be disappointed and uh, hoping to be uh, wrong. Is it set in the eighties? I think this one's set in the mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we have a second shot at a Marvel-based character uh, set in the mid nineties uh, in a twenty nineteen movie. Hopefully, the 90s references are a little more subtle than they were when Captain Marvel slammed into a blockbuster video. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I guess see Dark Phoenix, I guess. Or, or go to your art house and go see the... What was the, the, the souvenir? That's the, yeah. that's going to be the most problematic thing like, about wait, that movie. Are you trying to think of the movie that you watched? Yep, yeah. <laughs> A movie that I didn't even know was out <laughs> until we went to see it. Yeah, I mean, so. this week we we've seen we we saw and recommended well, didn't recommend all of them, but like five or six 2019 movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe pick one of those. Yeah, although you know, Dark Phoenix will still be. It's a, it's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie that people will see. So, yeah. it continues a pretty well known storyline. So yeah, yeah, go see Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Alright, well, is that it? I think that's it. That's it. Alright, thanks for listening. This was Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. You can uh, look at our Facebook groups. You can go to our website, themediabyus.com. You can uh, tweet, tweet, email, subscribe, rate. Those are all the verbs that I would like for you to do. And uh, those are all the verbs that I'm le- that I'm uh, <laughs> legally allowed to ask you to do. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Last but not least, thank you to the Willow Walkers. Thank you. And thank you to Burifa. Thank you. And bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know. We watch movies. <laughs>